Amen. This morning, amen, we can clap, that's good. This morning, it is my joy and privilege to have Pastor Matt Shonick come bring us the word. Matt has been a great blessing to me as a friend, as a co-worker in the church, and he's a man that dearly loves the Lord Jesus. Let's pray for Matt as he prepares to give us the word. Father, I thank you for Matt Shonick. I thank you for this solid man of God. I thank you, Lord, for the giftings you've placed in him. And I pray, Lord, for an impartation. The Father, what you've put in his heart would be imparted to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Matt. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Kent. Am I on? Can we hear me? We can hear me. Okay. Can you hear me online? No, wait. This is, this is my phone. Hi, Mom. Nope, now is not a good time to text me. Cool. Thanks. I'm just kidding. So as Bobby said, I want to talk to you about Jaira. You probably heard that Jaira and that song that we sang. It's enormously popular right now. Jaira. God provides. Before I do that, I want to give you a little history of and relating to Apple. Statistically, probably half of you have Apple phones. A ton of you probably have some kind of Apple device, or if you went to public school in the U.S., you probably used an Apple device. So I want to tell you a little bit about history, and this is going to, to date me a little bit, but it'll also date some of you. So who knows what a floppy disk is? Yeah. Okay, there we go. Okay, that's not even the first one, but that's, you know, the, late, the harder floppy disk. So... Apple has a history of thinking different, right? They're very innovative. They're known for many things. But one of the things they're known for is taking stuff away. Apple makes people annoyed a lot. They've, they've hurt me many times throughout my life. That's what dates me. I, I measure my years and how many times Apple has stolen something from me. The first thing they stole was the floppy disk. Uh, Apple came out with a computer. Do we have a picture of that one? this beautiful thing, which eliminated the floppy disk. That was in the year when four billion floppy disks were sold. So it wasn't that people weren't using them, they were using a ton of them. But Apple took them away. Uh, then you might know what a CD-ROM is or a DVD. If you don't, that's what it looks like. <laughs> yep. But then Apple decided, who needs those? And came out with a MacBook Air and eliminated them in 2008. Then we move on to 2012, and Apple releases the iPhone 5, where after everyone had bought the little dock that you could plug your phone into, and it was speakers and alarm clock, they got rid of the connector, so all your docks were worthless. Did anyone, did anyone feel that pain? Yes, yep. We can decide how old each person is in the room based on how many times they've been hurt by Apple. Right? Then 2015, they got rid of the MagSafe. Do you guys remember that? Like you could, you could trip over your thing and it would, you know, the power cord would come out and it wouldn't yank your computer down. They got rid of that too. And everyone loved that. And then, this was the most painful to me. In 2016, they got rid of the headphone jack. Wasn't that hard, right? Come on. <sighs> Talking about provision, Apple's not very good at providing. See that? Do you remember that? Yeah. 
It was nice, wasn't it? Then they made you buy these new headphones. But that's not why they did it. It wasn't just so you buy more stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, I promise, kind of. I don't know. No, <clears throat> that's not why. It's because Apple is known for thinking differently. Apple is all about vision. Apple is all about seeing a future that they want for you and giving you the things you need for their future, right? For their future. They know what they want you to do. They know what they want you to have, and they give you the things that you need for their future, right? Apple is all about vision. What does this have to do with Jira? Let me tell you. When I went in and did my little study, get out my Hebrew Bible, and I look, and I read, and I read Jira. It means to see. Okay. Why is that? And so I looked, and I, you know, I have my fun software that I look at, and I look online. Why is Jira translated provides? Every time it's translated provides. And I was so confused. I was like, okay, I guess I'm just really bad at Hebrew. I'm missing something. It means see. It means vision. And in the Bible, when we see God will provide, we're going to read the story that it occurs in, in a little bit. It's translated, God provides, but it says, God will see. And this was really confusing to me. What does seeing having to, have to do with getting stuff? Does anyone know? What, what does it have to do? Like, what, am, I, am I missing Hebrew or something? No. The thing I didn't know, the thing I didn't understand was English. That's why I say when you ask, do you speak any other languages? I say, no, I'm working on my first. I didn't know English because I didn't know what provision meant, <laughs> where provision came from. Ready? Pro, ahead of time, vision to see. Yes! All right. So it wasn't that I needed to be a better Bible scholar. I needed to be better at English. But provision, what, so how does this come to me in getting stuff, right? In the original, the origin of provision, it means to see ahead and then get what you need for that. You get provision for a journey because you look ahead, you know, I'm going to get hungry on this journey. You need provision, right? Apple is fantastic at provision. They look ahead to what you're going to need, not what you want right now, to what you're going to need, and they give you that. That's what provision is. It's not just getting what you want right now. It's not convenience, right? It's provision, seeing ahead and getting what you need then. So we sing Jaira, and it's a common name of God. God will provide Yahweh Jireh. Where in the Bible does that occur? Does anyone know the one story where we say God provides? Where does that name of God come from? Anybody? Isaac, right. The story of Abraham and Isaac. So open up your Bibles. We're going to be in that story. This is Genesis 22. But if you want, if you have a paper Bible, you can come with me and we want to give the context. So we start at the beginning. We'll do this really fast. Ready? Genesis 1, God creates the earth, right? He creates the earth, and then uh, we fall. There's increasing corruption. Things get real bad. People start marrying a lot of people. Then there's a lot of craziness. The corruption gets worse and worse, right? Then God destroys the world with a flood. 
right? And then we are no longer vegan. Anyone know that? Okay. Uh, then we lose our veganness, and uh, we're saved with Noah. <clears throat> and then uh, things are still bad. We're in Genesis 11 now. Things are still bad. So God disinherits the earth, right? He takes everyone at Babel. He scatters them. He says, you're no longer my people, right? So then we're in uh, 11. But then he decides to call on Abraham. And he says, I've disinherited the earth, but you, I will make you my people. I will make you my son. And he makes a covenant with Abraham, saying that his descendants will be numbered like the stars. And he makes a promise with God, but then Abraham doesn't really believe, takes matters into his own hands, has another kid, right? We know that story. Okay, so now Abraham has Isaac. And that gets us to 22. Okay, ready? Now, Genesis 22. Abraham has Isaac. This is the child of the promise. This is the son through which God is going to fulfill his covenant. Okay? So then what does God ask Abraham to do with his son, the one who will fulfill the covenant, his only hope? What does he do? Let's read. Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham! And he said, Abraham said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. That's a rough start. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Think about that. He rose early in the morning. If someone, if God asked me to do something like that, I don't think I would be an early riser to get things going. But Abraham rose early. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God told him. It took him three days to get there. So on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. I want you to get that image, right? There's a bunch of wood and Isaac is carrying the thing that he's about to die on on his back. Remind you of anything? And he took his hand and the fire and the knife, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. God will provide for himself. That's the first time it's God will provide, but this is not Yahweh Jireh. This is Elohim Jireh. If you know some different Hebrew words, Elohim is a more general word for God, kind of like deity or like lowercase g gods. So he's saying our deity will provide. It's a little less personal than the true name of God. So he's saying God will provide. On to verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. 
And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So in verse 14, the Lord will provide. It's no longer Elohim Jireh, it's Yahweh Jireh. The personal and for a while unspeakable name of God. Do you see that transition? It's very similar if you remember uh, Dan Kral sharing about his story of how he knows that 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 God will provide for him when it comes to heart. And we see that with Abraham where he said, the Lord will provide. It changes to Yahweh, the God, my God, right? Not just, he's a God so he'll provide, but my God provides. But again, when I think of gyro, when I think of provision, I've always thought of getting stuff, right? I don't think of God is going to ask me to do this terribly, horribly, awful, and really difficult thing. And then, yeah, I guess he'll provide a way out of it. I think of just getting stuff, right? But that's not what provision is. Provision is God sees ahead and provides for us. God sees ahead. God's got a plan. He knows what's going on. He sees ahead and gives you what he needs, gives you what you need, not to do what you want, to do what he wants you to do. That is the provision of God. That's what we see in Abraham and Isaac. So let's, let's dig into this a little bit more. <clears throat> so first of all, God sees ahead and he gives Abraham what he needs, right? Very physical. This, this story happened, right? This is a, these are real people. This is a real story. This happened, right? And God saw, and Abraham didn't know that, right? He said beforehand, he said, God will provide. God will provide. He was probably scared out of his mind, but he did say, God will provide, right? And what happens? Did, did magically a, a, a ram just appear on the altar and Isaac was, was transported over here? No. The Bible is very clear that it was behind him. Why did they say that? Because it wasn't just a, like a poof, there's a ram here. The ram was already led there. God already saw. God already knew. It was already happening. God was providing. God saw ahead of time what was going to happen, and God had already brought a ram there and got his horns stuck in the thicket. It wasn't until God hollered, as an angel from heaven, to say, hey, look behind you, right? So God saw and God provided. This story has a lot bigger consequence as well, right? A big part of the story and how this is God's provision didn't happen in Abraham's life, right? What, are, what am I talking about? What does this story remind you of? Remember when Isaac was carrying the wood that he was going to die on, on his back. Who had to do that? Jesus, right? Who had to kill his only son, the one son whom he loved? 
God, right? This whole story is provision because God sees ahead. He knows what he's going to do. He's going to bring Jesus. He knows that, right? And he knows his people are going to have a hard time with that. So God sees ahead and gives his people what they, we, need. This story. This story is an incredible provision from God. Because when Jesus comes, you remember, uh, you remember that Bible study that Jesus gives some of his disciples on the road to Emmaus? And he points out in the scripture how all the scripture points to him. Do you think he used this story? I think so. I think this is a pretty big one. This story was provision from God because he knew what he was going to do and he, he knew it was going to be real confusing <laughs> and hard to figure out. So we made this story so we can understand what was happening, right? This story itself is provision that was fulfilled long after Abraham died. And again, God sees ahead and gives us what we need. And it's Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate provision. He sees you. He knows you. When he created the universe, he knew every sin you would commit. He knew every way that you would hurt the people around you. He knew every way that you would be hurt. He knew every single one. He wasn't surprised. That thing you did that you regret didn't surprise God. You didn't break his plan. He saw it from the beginning of the world. He wasn't like, oh no, what are we going to do now? No. He saw ahead and he provided. And the ultimate provision is Jesus. Right? He makes up for every sin, every pain, everything. Everything, right? That's, I love that song, Jaira. <laughs> it's enough. He's enough. Do you know that? Do you feel that? Do you live that? That he is enough. Why do we care about that? Does that just give us, gives us good feelings? Okay, he's enough. Now we leave and go about our day. If it matters, if it matters to us, it should affect our lives in some way, right? So here's a couple reason, reasons why you should care. <laughs> the first is if you're like me. Uh, on the Strengths Finder, uh, one of my biggest ones is future, futurist. I love the future. I love thinking about the future, planning for the future. Many times I'm stuck in the future much to my boss's chagrin and my wife's chagrin sometimes because I'm, I'm like that toddler, you know, or kids of all ages that just ask, well, but why? But, but why? But why? I ask that to Kent all the time. But why? But why? But why? But why? But why? And I ask that of God all the time. But why? Why is what is happening now, why is it happening? What is the future that you're seeing? But why? But why? And that's what I ask all the time. So, you know, I have thoughts. If you remember, I have a very strong imagination. I imagine 
is coming down over the walls, right? And so I have thoughts like, well, if I start Kung Fu classes right now, in seven years, I'll be like a second degree black belt, and so when ninjas come over the wall, I will be able to take them. <laughs> and then, when a few months pass by and I don't sign up for Kung Fu, I'm very sad, because when the ninjas come in seven years, I won't be ready. And that's kind of funny, but that's actually how I kind of work. I live, too often I live in the future. Well, what's going to come next? Well, what's happening? Okay, this is our income. These are our expenses. If things continue this way, we're going to be out of money in 11 years. Oh, no. And I worry now because I want to know what's going to happen. I want to see. I want to, I want to know. And if you're like me, and you look to the future all the time, and the future is a hope for you, like, oh, this really stinks, but maybe in the future things will get better. I don't know, but I'm worried about it. I'm worried where, what's going to happen in the future. Where are things going? Ah! If you're like me, you can look back to this story and say, Yahweh Jireh. God sees ahead. He's already seen what's going to happen. He already knows. And he will provide. I will have everything I need, and I do have everything I need because God sees and God knows. Why else should I care if you're not stuck in the future? <clears throat> well, you may be like me uh, when I had my depressive crash. Around a year ago, I was stuck in my basement with headphones on <clears throat> because I couldn't stand any amount of sound. Any amount of sound shut me down. And I couldn't be around people. I couldn't be uh, out of the dark. I was just sitting in my basement listening to nothing. And I would do, you know, mental things like, okay, whatever is true, whatever is right, I'm going to think on things. Okay, so I'm, having, I'm thinking positive thoughts. I'm thinking of God. I'm thinking of good things, of his salvation. And as I'm thinking these wonderful things in this dark room with headphones on, my body says, yeah, that's nice and all. I'm still not going to give you any dopamine. You're stuck here. And at that time, I was still aware. My wife is pregnant with our fourth baby. We have three other kids that are five and younger. God, are you seeing this? Do you, do you see this? You see, I'm stuck here in this basement. I can't move. I can't stand up. I can't be around people. And my wife needs me. My wife's really tough, right? She's right over there. Should I give her a hand? Because she's really tough. <laughs> but I see, right? She's, she's not Superman, right? I see the toll that it takes, me being out of commission. And so I'm thinking, God, where? Come provide! Hello? Provide. But God sees. And he does provide. And honestly, the story I have coming out of <laughs> pre-severe depression is one of provision. Because before then, I struggled really badly with self-confidence issues. 
tons of shame. Even though, like, I know Jesus, but somewhere in there, I'm like, but I'm awful. See, Paul says he's the worst, so I'm the worst too. And through, I had so many awesome revelations in the dark room of my basement as I was crying out to God. And, and from that, God started to show me what it means like to, to be confident, to be his son, for that to matter, right? He wasn't going to let me continue on in my broken state. There were so many messed up thought patterns that I had in my brain. It was kind of like he said, stop. You don't get to go any further. You don't get to finish your family right now while you're like this. <laughs> and so God saw those things, and he provided. And so I even, I even thank God, I praise God for that depressive crash that I had because of what he taught me, because of what he did. Now, the, the thing is, is that there's a lot of times we don't see and we don't know, and we may not get to know in this life. And that's hard. That's really hard. In the story of Abraham and Isaac, <clears throat> Abraham was happy that he didn't have to kill his son, but don't you think he wondered, what was that for? What was the point of that? Why are you making me go through all this? <laughs> Seriously. Why? He didn't know. But do you know how many times in the New Testament it harkens back to the faith of Abraham and how that matters for our faith? Do you know how many people have called on the story of Abraham to understand who Jesus is and why? Why the sacrifice matters? Because God saw ahead and God gave Abraham the story that Abraham needed for us. Because God has a plan and God sees ahead. And so you may be, you may be like me in a dark basement. And you may not know, God, what, is, what, why, what is happening? But I want to remind you that God sees not only does he see you now, he sees your future. And he sees your children's futures and your children's children's futures. And he sees the world's future. And he's going to give you what you need so that his plan will be accomplished. And it may not happen in this life. And that's hard. I am not diminishing how hard that is. Not at all. That's really, really hard. But I want to encourage us to have the mindset of eternity, right? Kent's used that example with the rope, with the tiny little red spot, and then the rope is like forever and it goes out the door. You have to remember that the life we have now, it matters and God sees it. But it's this big versus an infinite eternity. And God is preparing you as well. God's giving you provision not only to live your life now, but he's providing for you things that will matter in heaven. Right? As Kent said in his last sermon on Labor Day, kind of reminded us that heaven isn't just singing in streets of gold, right? 
there's going to be work to be done. There's going to be things that happen. And yet work's going to be different because we're not going to be pushing against the fall, right? But we're still going to be doing things forever, forever. So how many of the things that you're going through now are God's provision for you for forever? And you may not see them in this life, but he has a much bigger plan, right, for you for forever. That has to matter. If you forget that forever is what we're preparing for, you're going to miss everything. You're going to miss out on a whole lot. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you're in that dark basement with me, God sees ahead and he provides. Now I want to I talk about a specific, <clears throat> one last thing. There's a specific thing that happens in eternity that's really important that God has given us so much provision ready to practice for. And if you're a life group leader, you probably already know where I'm going with this. But it's community. Because, right, the work of garbage removal is really important because it pushes back the messy, entropic effects of the fall, right? In heaven, there's not going to be garbage to clean up. There'll be also, there'll be other work like it. But something that doesn't change is community. Right? In eternity, you're going to be working alongside, in unity, with a lot of people, a lot of people who follow Jesus, who aren't like you, who are different than you, who have different purposes, different goals, and different things. And it's not just sin that divides us. We're just different. We have different purposes, different plans, different temperaments, different, right? Sin makes everything worse, but we still have to learn how to work together, how to value one another, how to be together in community. And God has given us an amazing provision for that, and that's the Holy Spirit. Some homework is look at the fruit of the Spirit. Look at the gifts of the Spirit. Almost every single one is for the purpose of building up the body. Almost every single one is helping you get along with someone else. Almost every one is helping build up one another and connect and to be one. What did Jesus pray in the garden before he died? Father, make them one as we are one. We're practicing for the unity of the Trinity. And that's something amazing that God has provided for because he sees ahead. He sees the work we're going to be doing together in heaven. And he's already provided his Holy Spirit to help with that. So no matter where you're at, no matter if everything's going great or you're in the dark basement, God sees ahead and he provides. And if one of the things that he's calling on you to do is to learn how to connect better with people that aren't like you, to learn how to connect better and love one another, we want to participate in that. That's why this, a big part of our church is life groups. We try to meet together in community. And we don't want every life group to be all exactly the same 
all like-minded, all, we all want to celebrate Jesus and love Jesus, right? (laughs) But we want to get along with people that aren't like us. Because that is the provision of God to prepare for eternity. Look around you. Look at your neighbor. Even if you're not married to them, you're going to be with them forever. 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 (laughs) Start practicing now. After you're dismissed, the life group leaders are going to be out there in the foyer. They're going to be wearing orange vests. They don't even know that. Life group leaders, when you grab your packet, there's an orange vest for you. Put it on. (laughs) If you want to get involved in a community, go find someone in an orange vest. Talk to them. Or they'll find you. If you don't find someone you connect with, come find me later. Come find Linda. Come find Laurel. Come find some staff members. Anyone. Just get connected. Because, again, God sees and he provides. And one of his beautiful provisions is the unity of the Holy Spirit within the church. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you see. God, we thank you that we are not alone. God, we thank you that everything that we experience, God, every temptation you have experienced, God, we thank you that you are not a high priest who who doesn't know anything about us. God, but you are to be like us. You know us. Not only do you know us now, but you see ahead. You see our eternity. You see our future. You see a day ahead, a month ahead, a millennium ahead, an eternity ahead, God. And you, (laughs) you're over it all. God, we thank you that you provide. Help us to rest knowing that your provision is enough. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you struggle with worry? like to plan ahead, but you also want to make sure that everything is all set for every possible contingency, which it never is. I want to take, just bring this home one more moment here in the attitude of prayer. I want you to take whatever may be upon your heart, whatever worry you carry, whether it be for finances or relationships or work employment or COVID or anything else that burdens your soul. Let's just take it in our hands before us. And Father, we thank you that you are greater than that. And the Father, you've gone ahead of us. You are the great provider for what we will need, not just what we need today. Father, we just lift that up to you area of worry and we say Lord we give that to you Jesus 
we thank you that you walk through life with us each day, but that you also have gone ahead of us, Lord. And Father, we give that to you so we can look to you and not to our worry, not trying to control every aspect of our future, but Lord, we trust in you. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Amen. Thanks, Matt. Let's hear from Matt. Good job, buddy. Excellent word.